We are doing the episode four lookup list on Gloria Marmalejo. Well, the episode on Gloria Marmalejo. Um, and before we, we jump into it, I know that a lot of people don't listen to these lookup list episodes, which is totally okay, but I feel like I, it's a little more casual and I can t- speak perhaps more freely. So I wanted to comment um, for those that do listen to these bonus episodes on some of the reviews and comments we've got on Apple, largely, which are great or lovely or encouraging, encouraging, um, some are neutral and and we welcome all of that, uh, even the less than great ones. Um, but we have gotten two comments that specifically use the word white hate, the phrase, the phrase, yeah, the phrase white hate. Thank you. Um, in response to this episode four, this Gloria Marmalejo episode. Oh, both of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah. So both of them um, told us to keep our anti-Thanksgiving white hate to ourselves, which, again, I everyone is entitled to their opinion, and I uh, tend to lean more towards welcoming all comments, even ones like that, um, because if that's how you feel, totally. But I feel... Um, Like I want to say perhaps that little, it was a very short, maybe 45 second conversation that we had about Thanksgiving because El Paso was apparently the actual first Thanksgiving is one of the facts that I shared. Mm. And I I think maybe it was, um, maybe not, but maybe it was misconstrued. I don't, I didn't go into that or talk about that Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving in general in kind of a hating white people sense. I mean, a... I don't think I hate anyone. B, I'm also white. Um, and which doesn't mean that I, I, I guess I could be white and hate white people. I don't. Um, am I digging myself into a hole? No, <laughs> I was thinking of saying something and then I'm like, was this going to dig me in a hole? Uh, you know, you said, I guess it's possible for white people to hate white people. Of course, sure. sure. But on a bigger scale, think about like the Holocaust. Right. Yeah. Good point. Yes, you're, that is not digging you into a hole because I'm not going to go down that hole. But uh, but I just wanted to uh, you know clarify that I don't I don't think that either of us I won't speak for you I'll speak for myself I didn't go into that conversation thinking I hate white people not even I hate Thanksgiving I think that as a former teacher or just a human in general what I know about Thanksgiving the the actual facts that I know about it um, I think are less than wonderful and pleasant about how. You know, this native land was acquired. I think that's really all that I was I was trying to comment on in that conversation. Hmm. Um, and yeah, that, I was going to ask what what was the not goal, but what are you? Well, you're just responding, just kind of maybe responding. like sorry if we offended yeah. people. We never intend to, and also we're definitely going to not because it's that it's our nature or because it's we not have intentional. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the intention is never to offend anyone, and also you can't please everyone there you in go. any realm of the world. Yeah. That's right. So we're probably yeah. going to piss off or offend people. I think uh, both of these people, one of them said like she doesn't listen to the lookup lists, probably because it's much more casual, much more opinions. And so for her, that works. And I respect that. Good. If you are not into the lookup list, no problem. Um, and then uh, the other commenter had said, you know, the podcast is okay, but keep your political views to yourself. And generally, you know what? I tend to agree with that. I try to keep politics out of everything. I don't want to talk to really anybody about it because it's such a, a controversial hot button topic. I don't 
I didn't feel like we were going into politics, but maybe we were. And yeah, I think that the goal of this whole spiel right now was just to say the intention is never to offend someone, but you really said it well that we can't make everyone happy. We're going to offend people probably. I do it every day, I'm sure. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Um, Anyways, all right, moving right along. This is the episode four, the murder of Gloria Marmalejo lookup list. And I'm not going to lie, this is a pretty brief one. Because we had, you had some great things written down and I could not find them. So we are going to just do the ones that I could find, I guess, is the bottom line. I'm going to say the things that I couldn't find when we get there. So if anyone who's listening was super enthralled by this case and is perhaps a better kind of investigative Googler than myself, um, maybe they'll find it and let us know. Then we could do a A lookup list. Bonus, bonus. Times two. Yeah, exactly. Um, so one, we talked about um, a Metroplex that El Paso is kind of, it's uh, it's one of the largest Metroplexes. So a Metroplex, um, the very basic definition, is a very large metropolitan area, especially one which is an aggregation of two or more cities. Another definition I found said a Metroplex is a conurbation with more than one principal anchor city of near equal importance. And of course, then I said, well, what the fuck is a conurbation? And a conurbation is a region comprising a number of metropolises, cities, large towns, and other urban areas, which through population growth and physical expansion have managed to form one continuous urban area. So I think El Paso and Juarez is a metroplex because it is, it's these two giant cities that kind of meld together does metroplex still work if this one of the cities you're melding crosses country lines yes in the episode i said el paso is said to be the largest international metroplex in the world because it crosses international lines right so a metroplex could be you know two cities that are just nearby each other uh, within one country, and then it's just a metroplex. This is an internet. El Paso is an international metroplex because it's El Paso and Juarez. Well, and I think the aspect that I heard there that is like the highlight, and maybe I'm getting it wrong, of metroplex. I believe that in some point in the next ten to twenty years, Tucson dash Phoenix will be considered a metroplex mm-hmm. because it's two major or bigger cities connected by smaller towns, smaller or bigger towns, smaller cities, like thus Marana, yep. whatever else, whatever else. Yep. Um, so like an, uh, an, a, an example of a metroplex that's not international is Dallas-Fort Worth, since they are cities with suburbs that kind of merge them into what seems like one huge city. So exactly what you just said about Tucson and Phoenix. Seattle-Tacoma. Yep, totally, exactly. Those are That's a metroplex. There we go. The next one that we that you asked about I don't remember exactly what I said, but what you wrote down or what I wrote down was, are Arizona and El Paso the only places on Mountain Standard Time or are they the only places that don't shift during daylight savings? Right. I remember Mm -hmm. asking that. Mm -hmm. Did I say are Arizona and El Paso? Because that's our whole state I know is on Mountain Standard. Oh, and then El Paso is the only city. It's just the city, right? Yeah. So El Paso is on Mountain Standard. I think that's what I had said in the episode. And so that's what we were wondering. Is do all Mountain Standard places not change time during daylight savings or what? So I'm going to, before we like talk ourselves in 18 circles, I'm going to uh-huh. tell you. So there are six states 
that are fully contained in the mountain time zone, Colorado, Montana, New Mexico, Utah, Wyoming, and Arizona, but Arizona is the only one that does not use daylight savings time except for Navajo Nation areas of Arizona. They do. So all of those states are a mountain standard time, but Arizona is the only one that does not change times. Got it. Um, Three states are split between mountain time zone and Pacific time zone. And um, California. And the following locations observe mountain time. So Idaho, Mm. southern Idaho is mountain time. In Oregon, the majority of Malheur County is mountain time. And in Nevada, West Wendover is mountain time. The rest of those three states is Pacific. Oh, and then all of California must be Pacific then. So then there are five states that are split between mountain time zone and central time zone. In Kansas, Sherman, Wallace, Greeley, and Hamilton counties observe mountain. The rest are central. In Nebraska, this is so interesting, the western third of Nebraska is mountain time. The rest is central. North Dakota, there's a bunch of um, counties that observe mountain time. The rest are central. South Dakota, the western half is mountain time. And in Texas, El Paso, Hudspeth, and northwestern Culberson County are all mountain time. The rest of Texas is all central. And then all states, except for Hawaii and Arizona, observe daylight savings time. All states do, except for those two states. Mm -hmm. So none of Hawaii changes. None of Hawaii changes. And none of Arizona, except for Navajo Nation. Right. And then the rest of the states do. All of Texas does, except for El Paso? No, El Paso does do daylight savings. Oh, shit. Yeah, even even though they're on mountain time. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, This is going to turn into a geography (gasps) podcast, too. I know. You, we were talking about the podcast earlier and you had said like, you've learned a lot about like different areas in the Southwest, which is true. I have too, through this research there are things I, I didn't know. Um, the next one on here that we talked about, uh, was El Paso. You had said, I, I don't remember what I was talking about, but you said something, all I can think about is El Paso salsa with those right. cowboys. And so actually, um, one of our Instagram followers, she's one of the first people when we started this podcast that ever messaged us uh-huh. on social media um, and has been very kind and supportive of the podcast after every episode. She says, like, I loved it, really enjoyed that one. Her name is Sherry Laurie, and um, and she's really the first listener that I ever heard feedback from. And she Yay, was like, this Sherry, is, thank you. Yeah, and after every episode, she messages me and says... It was great. You still didn't disappoint. Great episode, this and this. And so after this episode, she messaged and um, she said, once again, bravo. And old El Paso salsa, a group of cowboys by the fire eating chips and salsa. Something, something, words are exchanged. And the end result of the cowboys' astonishment of the newcomer's home is New York City. And laughter erupts. And she says, I remembered the commercial and its cheesiness as soon as you guys mentioned it. 
And then she also said, have a day as as fabulous as you guys are. Oh, that was nice. Yeah, so nice. Also, why do they reference New York City? Like, you can't get this in New York City or something? Like Like that um, kind of good salsa? Or it comes from New York? Yeah, so as soon as she sent me that, I looked it up on YouTube, and I posted it on our Instagram, the actual commercial from the 90s. Um, And it's like a bunch of cowboys talking about, like, salsa's salsa's from Texas. Like, you have to get salsa in Texas. And, you know, where's more salsa? And it's actually Pace. Picate salsa is the brand. It's not El Paso That's salsa. Right. Yeah. And so there's these cowboys are sitting around a fire having salsa and one hands another a jar at some point and says, um, he says, This was made in New York City. And they all turn to him and go, New York City right. or whatever. Yeah. Um so I think that and and I sent you that video and you were like, Yeah, yeah that's what I was re- remembering. Um and so I, I just looked up a little bit about about that and whoa. I'm not going to get deep into it, but there is a surprisingly more about this commercial than you would imagine. Um, this commercial was from the late 80s, early 90s. Chunky salsa. Yeah. This ain't paste thick and chunky salsa. Well, woo doggies. Paste is made with big chunks of tomatoes, onions, and peppers. Perfect for dipping. By folks in San Antonio. Who know what salsa should taste like. Well, this stuff's made in New York City. New York City. Jake, it's time you switch brands. <laughs> Pick up a thick and chunky one. Pick up a paste. Um, and you were alive then you might know it uh but there are a ton of kind of editorial opinion pieces about this art about this commercial people saying that it was um kind of a a metaphor for what was to come in our world that um that these cowboys were making the the metropolis of new york uh the financial capital of this nation out to be like a far-flung hedonistic land out of touch with real american salsa um or real america right it's a place where people just couldn't understand the problems of san antonio or the lands adjacent i'm reading this from an article that i found um kind of a you know putting new york as like a heartless and vapid place and then it said this article said the pace the Pace commercials were about salsa, yes, but they were also the first signs of the two Americas put forth in a purely capitalistic endeavor. All parties represented are hungry, a universal desire. It's how they should satiate, which draws out of the tribalism. The Pace commercials were meant to be funny, maybe even absurdist and charming. You could even see that a New York, a cultured New York man might agree that true salsa should in fact come from Texas. But damn it, if they didn't forecast our current dystopia, a place where compromise is passed over in favor of hostile words and at points, brutal violence. And I read that and I was like, holy shit, these people are reading deep into the Pace commercials. I mean, I'm not going to agree or disagree with that, but whoa, it was a salsa commercial. Whoa. Whoa, yeah. Um, there was a lot more there, but I'm going to, I'm going to. I felt like there already was a lot. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. Um, the next thing was, I, I wish I could have found more on this. You better El Paso up slogan. Um, so apparently this is a new slogan because they, uh, the previous slogan, which of course I do not have in front of me now, um, they felt it was kind of dated. And so this advertising campaign, You Better El Paso Up, targets millennials and Gen X travelers. And when I tell you I Googled 
18 different ways, like why or how, or what does it fucking mean? I like, mean, I'm a millennial, you're a millennial, you better El Paso up. Like you're right on that cusp. I we're, we're talking about cusps <laughs> and edges. I um, am. Okay. You better El Paso up. Well, first I thought of like giddy up, but that doesn't necessarily target a millennial. Right. Like, buck up, um, step up. I, I don't, I mean, if there are any Gen X or millennials out there who can kind of figure out what you better El Paso up might mean to those generations, please let us know. Because I, I don't know that I found a quote from the general manager of Destination El Paso. And he said, it's really very exciting. And we look at a campaign like this. When we look at a campaign like this, prior to this, we ran a campaign for about six years. Oh, here called Real Adventure. That was the slogan. El Paso. Yeah. Real Adventure. Yep. I like that one. I like that one better too. He said, and this was an opportunity for us as we kind of run the new term of of a campaign to kind of look at who we are and who we're trying to attract. And we're trying to attract Gen X and millennials. So I I cannot find the connection of how you better El Paso up connects to Gen X or millennials. Maybe whoever, the committee that came up with it just thinks it sounds more catchy than... El Real Paso, adventure. Real Adventure. I don't know. Maybe. I don't I'm not like a good it. millennial. Well, as you just so kindly told me, I'm barely a millennial. Well, and again, I think that's kind of like the, I mean, I think you are in any which way, but I think that, again, it's subjective, kind of like, where are the lines of the Southwest? <gasps> totally. Where Izzy. are the lines of the Southwest? Yeah, facts. Guys. We're recording this at Jenna's house, and I have the bulldog with me. And she's so old and senile, she just barks randomly at the nothingness, at the abyss, at the front door, to be honest. So um, we're going we're gonna to let her bark, and we apologize. We actually only have a couple more on this. Um, I don't apologize. Okay. <laughs> uh, neither does Izzy. Maybe she has to go potty? Okay. So that's that's all I got on the El Paso up slogan. If anybody else knows anything more, please share. Uh, a question on here was, what is Armando, Gloria's uh, ex-husband, do for work and where did he travel? Absolutely could not find it. Well, if anyone knows, mm-hmm. cares to find out and yeah. then finds out. Please let us know. And let's just take a moment to enjoy Izzy drinking water. Oh, as she stopped, of course. Okay, the next question was um, Gloria about jo- Gloria's job, that she was the Integrated Service Area Manager for the Texas Workforce Commission. It's a pretty straightforward one. Um, the Integrated Service Area Manager is someone who assists in the implementation of professional development initiatives and opportunities, and the Texas Workforce, Com- Workforce Commission is a governmental agency in the U.S. state of Texas that provides unemployment benefits and services related to employment to eligible individuals and businesses. Can you summarize that for me, please? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a government agency that works with unemployment benefits and and services for for businesses and individuals. Ah, so like helping when people are let go and thus they can get... um, Unemployment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess it wasn't that complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Just employment services. Another pretty straightforward one. Um, we said that Gloria got went back to school and got a BBA, which I think I inappropriately said reminds me of a BBL. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know what we, uh, 
hypothesize that a BBA was, but a BBA is a Bachelor of Business Administration. Hmm. Yeah. Um, the next question was, did anyone know that Mariah was actually pregnant when she got pregnant when she was, remember, I don't know, 14, 15? Mm-hmm. We um, assumed or guessed that maybe people didn't know it was David's at the time, but did we, we were wondering, did anyone know that she was even pregnant, period? I could not find it was there's almost no mention of it. I mean, really, I only found one or two articles that even mentioned it, let alone if anyone knew or what their reactions were. So I found nothing on that. Oh, and so another question was where what happened to Mariah? Where is Mariah now? And um, one of our followers on Instagram actually named um, Aaron Tootsie Judd messaged me and sent me um, an update that she found. She said she was so interested kind of in that story um, in this episode and, and about Mariah that she wanted to know what Mariah was doing. So I will say thank you to Erin because she uh, sent us a few links and we were able to determine without, I think, I think in an effort to probably protect, which Jenna, you had mentioned this and I agree that Mariah is probably trying to move on with her life mm-hmm. and doesn't want people you know, contacting her, searching for her, whatnot. So we're going to keep it general, but she she does seem to be doing well. It looks like she's a preschool teacher in Arizona. Um, she has a daughter and is is has plans to get married later this year. So she looks, from everything I can find online, she looks very happy. And How um, old is she now? She's got to be in her, I want to say, 30s now, I think. Because Gloria was... Tw- like, what year did this event murder happen yeah 2009 oh, okay so and, and she Mariah was in her early 20s then very late early teens. late teens yeah. yeah so 10 12 years 13 14 years ago yeah so she, yeah she's yeah. in her 30s okay. yeah and she looks you know of course uh, all i know is what i could find online but she looks like she's doing well and happy so yay good for mariah um, I don't remember when we talked about this, but a, a question that's written down is what is the climate in El Paso? Mm. Um, El Paso has a transitional climate between cold desert and hot desert featuring hot summers with little humidity and cool to mild dry winters, which is literally identical Sounds like to, Tucson. Yeah, identical to Tucson. Um, another question was the vehicle, because I think in the episode I said you know, when they were moved, when the red Hyundai, yeah, David and Mariah were moving Gloria's body. And I think initially I referred to it as Gloria's car. And then later I referred to it when they were taking DNA, they were taking Mm -hmm. hair samples and stuff as David's car. It was from everything I could find Gloria's car, which then raises a lot of questions for me because if it's David's car and they find her hair on the floor in the backseat, weird, maybe. Mm, Sure. Maybe a bit more, out of place seeming, although not totally crazy because a family member could have hair follicles in my car. I mean, I'm sure there's my hair in your backseat floor because I lose hair all the time. Well, and like my husband and his brother, who I rarely see, just took my car the other day for a camping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyways, okay, yeah. But even more or less eyebrow raising mm-hmm. if it comes to be that it's Gloria's car. Right, which everything I could find did confirm that it was her car. Um, and the last thing on this lookup list had to do with plea deals and like, mm. why might someone take a plea deal? I think we speculated a lot on the episode about why someone might take one. What's the point? And I found a couple of more concrete answers to that. So, um, just in general, a plea bargain involves 
A plea bargain involves getting a lesser charge on a defendant's criminal record and receiving a more lenient penalty. It can be attractive if the original charge carries substantial substantial jail time and fines. Um, plea bargains, and I think you mentioned this, uh, that plea bargains are an efficient and inexpensive way to guarantee some type of favorable result instead of the uncertainty of going to trial. So yeah, and dragging it out and more money right. and, and um, more time from all the people. It like pushes it through the system. Yep, exactly. Um, are there downsides to the plea? Well, I guess the potential one, I don't know, is if you were to not take the plea bargain, go to trial, and then you were, if you were um, innocent and you didn't take the plea deal, right? And then you went to trial and you were proven innocent. Well, that sounds a whole lot better. Sure. So if you're innocent, but you're afraid that the evidence looks damning and you go to trial and they find you guilty, you could get a much longer or more severe sentence than if you, even though you're innocent, you just take a plea because that's, you know, then you know what your sentence is and it's going to be less. I, I think it would be awful. But, um, some people just want, so I, I looked up why would someone take a plea deal? And it said some people just want the ordeal to be over. Um, it says that the time that charges are filed until a trial can take months to more than a year. Mm. And in the meantime, the defendant is bearing a severe burden, both in terms of their emotions and their finances. They may view a plea bargain as a way to make this just end and go away, whether they did it or not, either or. Um, and then I looked up who benefits from a plea deal and... It's uh, it's a defendants and or prosecutors. Prosecutors benefit from a plea bargain because the deal allows them to improve their conviction rate. Yeah. So. Um, and the defendant, if they actually did do whatever crime, they're getting lesser time than if they went to trial, were proven still guilty. Yeah. 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 And then some prosecutors also use plea bargains as a way to encourage defendants to testify against other accused uh, criminals. To find, out more, to yeah. find more. Um, so really yeah. prosecutors benefit because it ups their conviction rate and then they right. can also use it to get more convictions. Yeah. So huh, um, interesting. there's a lot more on that, but that's kind of just a, I think, I think we said a lot of that, but we weren't a hundred percent. Yep. Um, so just to kind of confirm those things and, um, yeah, that's a, that was a short lookup list. I'm really excited about the next lookup list for, for, um, the episode that comes out on Monday because there's a lot of interesting things in that. So we'll do that another time. But uh, that's it. That's all we got for the lookup list. We'd love to hear from you guys if there's anything specific you want to hear on the lookup list, like a, I don't know what, a question of the week or something else. But otherwise, that's the lookup list. And thanks for listening. And we will have a new wonderful episode, hopefully wonderful, for you on Monday. Um, that's it. Cool. Cool. Adios. Have a great weekend. Bye, Bye guys. Bye.